Welcome to the Red Triangle Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Kozlowski, talking football tonight. Um, this is the first of our off-season football shows. Um, you know, we love baseball here at Red Triangle Sports, but football is a little easier to talk. Um, and be- when we're talking football, we get to bring on Eddie Mitchum with us. So, Eddie, how you doing, buddy? Good, Matt. I'm good. I'm excited. It's almost time for training camp to start. It's right around the corner. Feel summer in the air, you know football's coming. Okay, uh, I feel like summer's a baseball thing, but you know, it, to me it means football's coming. All right, Stein, Shane, how you doing, buddy? Hey, good to be here, man. I'm doing well. Uh, we've been grinding pretty hard on the baseball landscape. Good to take a break here and talk a little football. Yeah, you know when when you do as well as you do in fantasy football, like I do. Even though you love baseball, you know it's easy to get excited about football season. The guy who wins one title and all of a sudden he's the best. It was a, it was a big win. It was a really big <laughs> win. I needed it. I needed it. Um, and I beat you, so that's what makes it bigger. So, all right, we're gonna do um, we're gonna do some ranking shows throughout the off season. Um, different. We'll go through each position in the show. Devote you know a whole hour to each position in fantasy football. Tonight we're gonna ease into it by just talking some breakouts and busts. Uh, some rookies, and what the first round looks like um, right now on June 23rd. So first, let's get started with our breakout candidates. Um, interested in hearing who everybody's breakout candidate at the quarterback position is. I have I have down two. The first one I listed, I think you're going to see all over the place. I went with Brock Osweiler. Um I think you find yourself down there where two different pretty bad quarterbacks were successful with the weapons they have at and Lamar Miller. I think he's gonna gonna have an opportunity to be successful. I think he's got a good chance to break out. Yeah, I had Oswald, I had Osweiler as one of my two as well. Um just throwing to Hopkins alone gives you the ability to be a startable quarterback um in fantasy football and he certainly pl- looks the part. Um it's gonna be interesting to see if he actually does or not. The other thing is, it's not necessarily the strongest division in the AFC South. I think those defenses got better, but I still think they're a player or two away, in my opinion. Seems like they're always a player or two away, doesn't it? it <laughs> yeah. Seems like those four teams, it's just like they're always just a little bit away. They never get there. Yeah. <laughs> Waiting for one of Doesn't it feel like they've always been a quarterback away, though? The Texans? Yeah. Oh, yeah, the Texans. He's talking about all the teams in that division are always a player or right. two away. <laughs> Seems like right. every year we're talking about the AFC South. Just everyone's always a little bit away, and they yeah. never get there. They're, they're always the candidate to be the worst division winner in the playoffs. I'm just excited to see what Bill O'Brien does with a guy that can finally play a little bit. You know, yeah. removed from the Patriots and some of the things he's done. I think he's, I think he's got someone there that can play. So I think he can actually maybe unleash the playbook a little bit. Anything has to be better than what we had to go through watching Brian Hoyer in the playoffs last year. That was. <laughs> Miserable. They probably won't throw any direct snaps to, to J.J. Watt. No, that was bad, too. <laughs> I forgot about that play. 
Well, I went with a little different route here. I went probably someone a lot of people had his last year as their breakout. I'm going to go again this year, hop back on, and go down in Miami uh, with Ryan Tannehill. Um, everyone's the sky's the limit on this guy. Been hearing about it for a couple of years now, how good he can be. And uh, I think this year might be the year, actually. Got some weapons around him. I think it's going to be a little better season in Miami than, uh, than last year. Yeah, when it comes to you know raw athleticism from a quarterback, Tannehill's right up there with them, and you know it's kind of sneaky. And the fact that you know a lot of people forget that he was a wide receiver in college, and he's still only a couple years into his quarterback life cycle. So I, Tannehill was a guy I considered. He wasn't the second guy I have. Um, he was my second guy. The second I had Osweiler and Tannehill, and there's one big reason why I think Tannehill doesn't this year, and he didn't last year. And I just think it's the coaching situation. Adam Gase is known as a quarterback whisperer, and uh, I, I think Tannehill's going to actually have a chance to learn how to play quarterback in the NFL um, with him there. And like Shane said, he has some weapons, Landry, um, Cameron. I think, I think he's going to have the opportunity to do some things. Yeah, I, I'm a Tannehill fan too. Um, wouldn't be a guy that I'd be pegging to be my QB1, um, but, you know... Filling him in that QB2 role, he'd be a nice safety blanket, I think, in case your one goes down. The other guy I have, and I guess this really depends on what your, you know, when I think breakout, I think there's three things. You've got breakouts, busts, and sleepers. You know, Osweiler may be considered more of a sleeper. The guy that I think is a breakout candidate, someone that's really going to vault himself maybe into the top eight of the position is Kirk Cousins. Um, you know, he may be... Also a bus candidate for a lot of people, but this guy's got swag, and uh, he definitely believes in himself and his ball club, and I think the team believes in him, and they're just trying to add some pieces around him now to uh, really develop this offense around him, and it's the first time in his career that he's really the focal point of the team. So I like what they're doing there in Washington with Cousins. You like that? I do like that. <laughs> I, like, I like that pick too, Matt. Uh, yeah, Cousins, I, I actually thought Cousins should have had the job long long before they gave it to him. Um, I've always been a big Cousins fan. Um, he was a winner at Michigan State, and <clears throat> seems like a, more of the same now that he has a job, uh, job security in Washington. Yeah, Cousins finished eighth last year in our league for points among quarterbacks, what I'm looking at. That's the only reason I didn't consider him. I felt like last year was really his breakout year. I feel like that, that makes him... I actually thought about him more as a bus candidate because I don't know if he can sustain that this year. Um, I do like him. Love Jordan Reed. I mean, if you're throwing to that guy who's really put himself on the map, I think he he's a nice play, but I don't know if he can sustain what he did last year. Well, here's a question for you then, I guess. Um, I think Cousins will be drafted as a QB1 this year in the 12-team league? Yes. You do? Yeah, I think so. Okay, I think he's right there at it. I mean, you have some names there. Cam Newton, Rodgers, Luck, Wilson, Roethlisberger, Breeze, Palmer, Brady, Romo, Manning. Um, Bortles is a guy that's high up on people's list this year. That's 11 names right there. And then yeah, got, I think he's at the bottom end of it, you know. He's right in there he gets, with that Derek Carr, Phillip Rivers, Andy Dalton group probably. I don't think there's any reason why you couldn't see some people going Cousins over Romo. Because you don't know if you're going to have him for a full year, and I mean, there's some interchangeable names at the bottom of the top twelve, I think. Yeah, those defenses in the NFC East are less than impressive, too, in my opinion. Yeah, I think people are going to look at just the volume that 
the Redskins were able to give him at the end of the year last year. I mean, they're they're chucking the ball all over the place. I don't know that they're going to go to that extreme, but it seemed like they were pretty content with just letting him sit back there and throw the ball about 40 times. Yeah, their running game uh, lacks something to be enthusiastic about, in my opinion. Speaking of running games, uh, let's talk breakout running backs. I'll uh, give you my first one here. Uh, Deion Lewis. I think we saw him kind of break out in the beginning of the year. I think he could be a top 10 running back in today's NFL game with his ability to catch passes and do a bunch of things in that New England offense. And Lewis is a guy that I'm really excited about this year. Yeah, absolutely. As long as he comes back fully healthy, uh, no reason to believe that he can't catch 60, 70 passes in that offense. Uh, it's no secret that Brady's always loved throwing to the running back out of the backfield, especially in, in, in key situations, um, picking up first downs, and, and Lewis seems to fit that mold perfectly. Can I skip to a different segment in the show? Okay, no. Because I put I put Deion Lewis on my bust watch. All right, we'll get there. All right, I'll t- I was just going to talk about him while we were on him, but... Go ahead. The only reason I put him there is just because I think people are thinking so highly of him, and what we saw was such a snapshot last year, and I still think that you're going to get burnt by Bilicek. I still think there's going to be games where he's not part of the game plan. Um, I think he, they just, they're just going to do what's successful and what they need to do to win, so I think, I don't know, I'm still skeptical about owning a Patriot running back, I just don't know if the numbers are going to be there. there there's He certainly could, but I'm weary of him doing what other people are really putting him up to be. He's being talked about a lot, like, you know, in that in that top tier, and I don't know if he makes that jump. The argument I'm going to make against that is usually guys you've gotten burned on in the past for the Patriots' backfield are guys that are run, run first. Ridley um, and Blunt. Yeah, I mean, that's really not Lewis's game. I mean, he's strictly, you're looking at him counting on him to catch six, seven passes out of the backfield. Whatever he gets on the ground is, is just a bonus. Um, I think those, those pass catching, that pass-catching ability is going to be there consistently. I, I agree with you, but I could definitely see a situation where you're frustrated because... Um, it, they have they have no qualms about just spreading it. It could, it could very well turn into almost like a Danny Woodhead situation where, I mean, he's going to have some real big weeks and you're going to have some weeks where he, maybe he doesn't get the touches and he only gets a few. <clears throat> the, the guy that I wanted to have is my breakout running back, and I felt like I couldn't put him on there because of what happened in the offseason, but TJ Yeldon is the guy that I had pegged as a breakout Thought he was in for a huge season. Thought he was a candidate to be a top five running back potentially. And then uh, now it's looking like Chris Ivory is going to be their starter. So I'm um, a little bummed about that on my end. But I still think Yeldon, uh, if the opportunity presents itself, I think he'll have a, a nice season. Yeah, one guy that I put on mine for breakout candidate was Duke Johnson. Um, I think the job has to be his. Um, if we're going to talk about guys that are going to be pass-catching options, I certainly think he falls into that, and I think he's going to get the carries as well. Um, the offense has to get better. Um, if they're spreading it out and using RG3 the way we've seen him when he was effective, you think it's going to open up running lanes for Duke Johnson. Given that co- college-style running game, uh, he can run between the tackles. He's versatile. I think if he gets the touches, he can kind of vault himself up there in the rankings and then really put himself on the map this year. No two bigger Duke Johnson fans than you two guys, huh? 
He's really good. He's a good player. I, I'm with that, Eddie. Um, just, you know, you always worry about the Browns just being bad at football. That's the, only, that's the only concern about Duke Johnson. But in that case, maybe it helps a guy like him. You just worry about, I think, the touchdowns with him. Is he going to get in the end zone enough to be relevant? Yeah, it's, it's really hard to get excited about just Browns football players in general. <laughs> I mean, it really is. I, could be a guy that you get some, some good value on at the end of a draft, though. Uh, I wrote down two names here. Um, no surprise to you guys, probably. My first one was Jeremy Langford. Uh, I'm a big Langford fan here. Um, I'm excited to, uh, excited to see what he can do with uh, with if he gets a full workload. Um, Matt Forte out of town now. Uh, I've watched Langford for a while and <clears throat> followed him at Michigan State. and I think he's it's a really good football player here. So Catch passes out of the backfield. The yards per carry was a little concerning. He, he doesn't doesn't bust a whole lot of big ones on the ground, but just being able to catch catch the ball out of the backfield, I'm pretty excited. And the other guy I went with is Carlos Hyde. Um, down here last year, obviously. Um, I still think this guy's really, really talented. And excited what he can do. Well, I'm a big Hyde fan. Um, I agree with you on Hyde. A little nervous about Langford. Uh, I feel like the Bears are a team that's trending downwards right now um and i think that might hurt langford but like you said the yards per carry is a concern but definitely a playmaker so um big big play ability out of him so we'll see yeah i have one more guy i put down uh Bilal Powell. i think him being the workhorse there dual threat guy again he had over five catches like the last six weeks of the season really killed people big play potential um, so I put him on there with Ivory out of town. I think he's got a, really ch- a chance to kind of explode onto the scene. Not worried about Forte there? I don't know if Forte stays healthy. I like Powell. He, he was great down the stretch. He was actually, as an RB2 um, on his own team, he was actually startable the last couple of weeks. Um, I was using him a lot in DFS because his price point was so low and he was just getting a ton of production, so... The thing, obviously, to worry about in New York is Geno Smith. Um, I don't think it's a guarantee that Fitzpatrick's walking through that door. And I think that could hurt them in a big way. Eddie, do you have anything to add on Hyde or Langford? No, I, I like both of them. I didn't include Langford because I, I felt like he kind of... I tried to look for guys that really haven't been there. Uh, I felt like Langford kind of burst on the scene when he got a chance last year, even though it was only a snapshot. Uh, I like Hyde a lot. I think he's good. I think he's a, a physical runner. Uh, reminds me a lot. Him and Gurley, I think, have the same style of just running people over. Um, so I like that one a lot as well. I just, I just hope he can stay healthy and really showcase what he can do. They need him bad. Um, my wide receiver breakout candidate, I have Mohamed Sanu. Um... You know, last year when I was hurting at wide receiver, I was playing Leonard Hankerson just because he was the number two option in Atlanta. And I just like that spot for receivers. I think Sano is obviously much more talented than Hankerson. Um, Hankerson is one of the probably least talented wide receivers in football. And, you know, he saw some big games from Sano in Cincinnati. And I think just the fact that Jones is on the other side, Julio Jones on the other side, He's going to have to get volume, um, and I think we could see close to Roddy White-type production from him on the on the other side of Jones. Yeah, it's always nice to take a shot on on a number two that's across from a star player. 
Um, you know they're going to draw double teams all game long. Um, usually going to be working with single coverage, and usually that's going to lead to some, some nice games and nice production. So always good to go against the other side of the field from uh, Julio Jones. My breakout. Yeah, I like that. I, I agree with everything you guys said. I don't have anything to add. Opposite Julio Jones, you got to like it. Um, a guy that I've been talking about that may see some volume. I, I mean, he's a late stash guy. Is Justin Hardy. Uh, this is a slot guy. We'll see how, how involved he is. I mean, um, set records at ECU, so we'll see if he can put himself on the map and get some reps down there as well. My, my wide receiver breakout, actually, going back to the Browns, I'm going with Corey Coleman. Um, I think this could work out. Um, I'm probably been the lowest on RG3 out of, out of us. I mean, we're all, I think pretty low on him in the past couple seasons, but I really like what Coleman did at Baylor. He's an exciting player. Um, I think it could be, uh, could be a nice season. I think he might be the guy that RG3 leans on over there. Someone has to catch the ball (laughs) and I don't think Barnage is as good as everybody thought he was last year um so yeah coleman has to be the guy you're looking at in cleveland right now josh gordon we'll see what happens there <laughs> um he's not a guy that eddie i'm willing to hang my hat on so all right then um i put down three different guys at receiver um i had trouble deciding the first one a little homer pick wheaton in Pittsburgh, I think he's got a big opportunity in front of him. Uh, came on strong at the end of the year and started to make the plays that they thought he was going to make. Um, so I think he's got the potential to really take over that number two spot and run with it in Pittsburgh. Right. And then I went uh, Jermaine Curse in Seattle. I think he had a nice end of the season. I think that teams are going to try to take away Baldwin, and I think he's going to be the guy that – he seemed like more of their touchdown pass catcher late in the season. I think he had like four touchdowns in the last <clears throat> like five weeks. Um, so looking to, for him to carry that over. And then a guy that's kind of been on and off the map, uh, Terrence Williams. If they stay healthy and he's opposite of Dez, I think he's kind of got that Julio Jones factor. And, and working opposite of Dez, I think it's going to be good for him. Uh, I know we bragged on him last year, but with Dez in the offense, I think it's completely different for Terrence Williams. Yeah, Terrence Williams owners really, really got got the got the shaft last year. I mean, yeah. the guy had a pretty good year two years ago, and then Romo goes down last year, and you get just absolutely zero production from the guy. Uh, anyone that that bought into him kind of probably had a disappointing season. Yeah, his value is literally tied to Romo's health. Um, just there's not much more else to say about it. Romo seems to trust him, and for some reason. You know, the other guys just, it, it didn't work out last year. It was a really bad situation for Terrence Williams' owners. Um, Curse, he's one of those uh, goose egg candidates that we like to talk about. He's always a, a threat to put up a zero. Um, but I think you're right in the sense that he has a knack for finding the end zone. When he does play, usually ca- when he does produce, he usually catches a touchdown. Um, so, you know, definitely a guy that you could start in bye weeks, I think. So frustrating to, to own parts of the Seattle passing game. Um, it, it can be at times. I mean, they, they broke out a little bit at the end of the year last year, but it's just so frustrating because you never know what you're going to get. Um, maybe they change now with Marshawn Lynch gone. 
Um, I don't know that they're going to lean as heavily on Thomas Rawls. I think maybe they, they open it up a little bit, throw the ball a little more. Um, but yeah, definitely frustrating. Seems like you kind of got to pick the right guy with it from week to week with Seattle. Yeah. And, you know, everybody has Baldwin ranked pretty high. I, I'm still a little skeptical. I mean, I think he's got to be taken as a, a top 20 wide receiver just because he was so good last year. But I don't think any of us would be surprised at all if he was a total bust this year. I want to circle back to Wheaton, though, because um, he's a name that's been talked about. He was talked about a little bit last year because of Bryant's suspension, and now obviously Martavis Bryant's missing the whole year. Um, any worries about, obviously, Antonio Brown is going to get 30% of the targets just because he's the best player in football. The other two guys are interesting, Sammy Coates and Ladarius Green. Um any concern about them taking some looks away from Wheaton? Because Wheaton has been inconsistent in the past. I, I don't know if anyone's going to take looks away from anyone. I just feel like they're so explosive. It's it's It almost falls into like that Patriots realm. It's going to be a game plan thing. I, I think that offense has finally gained ground under Todd Haley. They finally know what they're trying to do. And it could turn into a pick the right guy kind of situation, like we just talked about with some of the other teams. It it might be he might have a goose egg one week and then twenty points the next week. It could be just finding the hot hand and trying to guess at what they're gonna do. Um, but yeah, I guess I mean there is concern when you have that volatile of an offense. I mean that can just go up and down. You never know who's gonna get it. All right, my breakout tight end is Kobe Fleener. Um. We've seen the tight end in New Orleans be just fantasy gold. Fleener's a guy that we've seen, you know, have great games and then have no-show games. And I think part of that was that indie system. Um, he was never really a focal point. And I think going to New Orleans now, Drew Brees loves throwing his tight end. And I think it's going to be a really good spot for what I think is one of the more talented tight ends in the game. And he's a young, talented tight end, too, so... I like Fleener in uh, New Orleans. Yeah, anytime you're a tight end, you can team up with uh, Drew Brees. Uh, it seems to work out. So I, th- I think that's a pretty good pick. Yeah, I had Fleener down as one of mine as well. I think everything you said is correct. Drew Brees loves the tight end. It's just surprising how he hasn't gotten any ground in Indianapolis playing with the guy he played with in college. He thought that that was going to be a match made in heaven, and it just never really never panned out. He hasn't been anything as far as fantasy relevant. And, I mean, going to New Orleans, it can only get better, you'd think. The other guy that I had down is Jordan Cameron, and that's just for all the reasons I talked about Tannehill being relevant this year. I think in order for Tannehill to be good, he's going to have to use Cameron a lot more this year. Um, He's been spotty as well, but I really think he's going to be a big part of that offense and what they do down there. So I think Cameron, another guy that – was you know highly touted as a tight end and never really panned out. I think this could be the year that he finally does what everyone has expected him to do over the last couple of years since he's been down there. Yeah, I don't think there's anyone that really cares less about the tight end position than me, but I guess I'm going to go with Vance McDonald. Um, I'm going to let you guys talk me into it. Uh, <laughs> uh, I guess we're going to go with the, the Chip Kelly effect. Um, pass happy offense, and uh, maybe you guys can touch on it a little bit. Well, just talking about Cameron first, he's a, he's a guy that I have a lot of trouble trusting because 
he was a breakout candidate last year, and I just want to see it from him first, but maybe I'll miss out on what could be a great season from a tight end because of my inability to trust him. And then uh, McDonald, I want to know what the quarterback situation is going to be like in San Francisco. I think, actually, Gabbert may be a good thing. Um for McDonald, but I feel like Kaepernick's going to be the guy, and I just always worry about his ability to get it to his playmakers. So that's that's my concern with McDonald, I guess. Yeah, the quarterback situation is frightening there, but I don't think it was any good in a lot of places where tight ends were good. I think tight ends shine in bad quarterback situations because they're matchup nightmares when they're good and he's he fits that mold he's a big physical guy that runs runs with good speed so I think he, he's going to be able to get open against linebackers I think he's going to give a security blanket to any quarterback that's in there um, and reading some things they're talking about making him a focal point so I mean, we'll see he had a couple of nice games down the stretch last year we'll see if he turns it over into the next season or not all right, you guys want to talk some busts now? Um, my bust quarterback is Blake Bortles. He's a guy that really broke out last year. Um, a lot of it was him throwing the ball when his team was down big, um, and they got down early in a lot of games. So the volume for Bortles was incredible. Robinson and Hearns were outstanding because of that as well. I feel like Jacksonville got a little better. Um, they've improved their defense, and Gus Bradley's a defensive guy. I have a hard time seeing them falling behind so early, so often, as they did last year. And if that's the case, I think Bortles' numbers take a slight hit. Um, he's not a guy I'm going to be excited about going after this year. Yeah, it sure seems like a case of the team gets a little better and kills you in fantasy a little bit. Yeah. Um, not going to be chucking the ball 40 50 times because you're losing by two three scores um maybe managing the game a little better playing closer games running the ball a little bit more um probably play a lot a lot closer games in jacksonville this year yeah I, I agree with you i think the easiest thing to look at for bus candidates is just guys that aren't going to live up to what they did last year and blake Bortles finished fourth in our league uh, and quarterback points, and I just don't see him being in the top five again. I agree with you. It's going to be tough to do. Um, kind of came out of nowhere. No one was really expecting what they got last year, and you know that people are going to turn around and take him like he's going to be that top five quarterback again, and they're going to get burnt by it. So I, I think that's a easy pick. All right. I, I went a little different direction here. Not necessarily someone that, that played really well last year, but you guys had him as your breakout. I'm going bust on Brock Osweiler. Um, <coughs> I need to see more from this guy. Um, I feel like he has a tendency to just absolutely be terrible. Um, I think he was in a perfect situation last year, playing playing with the best defense, um, great weapons. I mean, I know he has some weapons in Houston, and, and their defense is pretty solid, but I don't know that it's as good as Denver was last year. Um I want to see what he does when he's the guy. All the pressure's on him. Um, and we, we've seen the quarterback situation in Houston just not work out. Uh, I think he, he might fall into that trap. I think the one thing, Osweiler had to be more of that game manager in Denver because of the fact that 
The defense was so good. The running game was struggling. You know, Demarius had a down year. I think that he is going to be in more of a situation like Bortles was in last year on a not-so-great team. I think that might help him. I think he's a guy that needs to be able to cut it loose and throw the ball, and I feel like Denver really never allowed him to do that. So that's my only counterpoint. But as much as I feel like he could be a breakout, you know, there's some risk in there, and I, I could see him as a bust too. So he's one of those guys that falls right in the middle. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I feel like it's going to be either really good or really bad. Like he's not going to find himself in the 15 range just outside QB1. He's either going to be a QB1 or droppable, I feel like. I mean, two completely opposite ends of the spectrum, but I feel like that's how it's going to fall. The only reason I think maybe he does better is because Hopkins is going to bail him out a lot. Yeah, you hardly ever see these free agent quarterback situations work out. I mean, very rarely Breeze to New Orleans is one that obviously paid off in a big way, but most of the time, if you're a quarterback that's worth having on your team, you're not being let go. So, um, obviously Denver saw something in him that they felt like they did not need to go out and keep him on their team, and Houston took advantage, um, but m- more often than not, that seems to not work out, so... We'll see. Definitely, definitely some risk there in Osweiler. Eddie, who's your bust quarterback? I have two. The first one I went with was Andy Dalton. I feel like it was an easy pick. Um, we got way more than we expected last year from Andy Dalton. He carried some teams for a while, but then late in the season, he seemed like he turned into Andy Dalton again, and I just don't think he's going to live up to what he did last year. And uh, I feel like people may remember what he did early in the season, and try to make them a staple of their team and I I just don't see it working out I have no problem with Dalton being your QB1 if you're the last person to get a quarterback um, a starting quarterback at least definitely there's more exciting names being drafted in that same range Um, but there's some safety in Dalton I think just because he's got some decent weapons around him he plays on a pretty good team um I don't know. There's some safety in him, but I could see if you're expecting him to be what he was last year, I could see why people would be disappointed. Yeah, Dalton for me is a guy just just on the bottom tier of of a startable quarterback, QB1, um, maybe maybe just outside of it. Um, Not a whole lot to be excited about for me. I think that the start that he had of the year last year was a little too high for me. Um, I, I think he's just an average guy, average guy. Right, I agree. I think he's average as well. I agree with everything you guys are saying. The reason why I'm in the bus is because I think people are gonna, people are gonna want more out of him, and it's and they're not gonna get it. That's why I'm calling him a bust. Uh, I think there is some safety in him. I just think that there's more expectations this year because of what he did last year. Um, the second guy I put down is a guy that I absolutely refuse to buy into, Tyrod Taylor. I, I can't get behind what he did last year. I know he's going to help himself with the running game and things like that, but I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't see him surviving in the league. Um, he kind of came out of nowhere and I feel like that doesn't really carry over into the second year. And people are talking to him about him very highly this year. Um, and I just don't see him sustaining that. I'm right there with you, Ed. Uh, Taylor was a guy I was looking at this spot as well. I mean, he played really well last year. 
and I don't know that that continues this year. I'm never a huge fan of a Rex Ryan quarterback to begin with. Um, I think that that Buffalo situation has a chance to go downhill fast. Yeah, it's not a great offense uh, to be in as a quarterback, at least, because, you know, they want to run the ball, and he helps in that situation because of his running ability himself. Um, But consistency is the issue I see here with Taylor. Um, He seemed to either be in the 26 to 30 point range or below 18. And, you know, if there's a guy you're out there starting every single week, I think you want a guaranteed 20 from your quarterback. Um, There's weeks where I would be excited about playing Taylor, but then there's weeks where I'd be really concerned if he was my number one guy. So uh, he's another guy I'm not totally thrilled about, but if he was my quarterback too, I think I'd be okay with that. I mean, it was a couple of weeks ago, I think the the ownership in Buffalo came out and said, if you don't make the playoffs this year, you're fired, to, to basically to the coaching staff. I mean, I just don't, I don't want to buy into anything where an organization like that, um, no job security, um, it's basically saying, hey, if you don't win, it's over. I mean, talk about putting the pressure on. Um, I, I think that this could be a 4-12 and ball club. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I could see that happening. And Rex Ryan would be the guy to tell you that he wants the pressure on him, but every year he's had the pressure on him. He hasn't lived up to it. So he, he, it's just a, could be a dumpster fire, definitely. Yep. Especially with his brother now on the defensive yeah. side. He's, he's <laughs> just clueless. Uh, my bust running back is Devontae Freeman. Not a believer. Um, you know, a year ago, Tevin Coleman was the, the big name in Atlanta. He gets hurt in week one. And Freeman takes off for a couple weeks, and then he kind of tails off. And it's kind of similar to Doug Martin's rookie year when there were four or five games that made up like two-thirds of his point total for the season. And, you know, the catches are going to be there with Freeman, but you're not going to get the touchdown production you got last year. And that's why I think he's a bust if people are thinking of him as a late first, early second round running back, in my opinion. Yeah, that's a good call. I think we all could have went there with Freeman on this one. You're not going to get near the production he did last year. Um, the, the, that four or five week stretch was just ridiculous. Really hard to duplicate that kind of production. Yeah, I had Freeman down as well. His first name I wrote down. I think we all agree with it. He's going to come off the board early in in standard drafts, and someone's going to pay too much for him, and they're going to sit back. And I feel like circle him as something that really cost them a season yeah I was talking to the Freeman owner in our league Monday night about you know who he's going to keep and obviously Freeman at the price point that he got Freeman for last year he's a keeper but he's not even excited about the him being the center point center of his team so I just think that if there, there's ever been a bust candidate um, he fits the mold Completely. I went, uh, other than Freeman, I think we were all in agreement there. I went with another name here. And I think it's just because I don't believe in the guy. Um, he had a great year last year. I went with Mark Ingram. Um, <laughs> the, the 20 carries for 50 yards just doesn't excite me. Um, he seems like that kind of player. I mean, the pass catching was a, was a little 
unbelievable last year. I feel like it, it was a lot more than I thought it was going to be. Um, I think Ingram comes back down to earth a little bit this year. Um, not nearly as big a production. Yeah, I like that one. I think you're absolutely correct. The only thing that saved him was all the pass catching last year, and it was like the middle of the season, and we were talking about his his unbelievable numbers with pass catching and how it was saving his season and everything. And I, there's no way that you can expect him or even hope that he sustains that pass catching. And you're right, he's a 20, 20 carry for 50 yards guy. You just got to hope he gets goal line touches, and uh, you can't really buy into that. The one thing I, I like about Ingram is that for the first time in his career and maybe one of the first times the Saints really tried to be more of a run-first team, the fact that he was getting those 20 carries almost makes him a, an RB1 just based off that fact alone in today's game. So I could see that being a bust, but if he's going to get that volume again this year, I would still be aboard on the Ingram train. So. Well, someone's got to own him. I mean, he's going to be a startable running back, I feel like. I just don't know that he... He was a high-end RB1 last year. Um, I don't know that he reaches that level. I think he's more of a an RB2 kind of player. Yeah, in a perfect world where all the running back ones get the same volume, um, I think you would see him go down. But 20 carries a game probably keeps him at the RB1 spot and maybe there's some safety in him. It's just, he had, I feel like he is one of the few RB1s in the top 12 or so that there's no shot he ends up in the top five. But I think there's a very good chance he's in the 8 to 12 range. So, it depends how you value that, I guess. Yeah. Eddie. Who's your best, What's up? Who's your best running back? Uh, I had Deion Lewis and Freeman, so I already talked about uh, why I thought Deion Lewis was a bust. All right, move forward to our bust wide receivers. Um, for the reasons I was skeptical about Bilal Powell as a breakout are the same reasons that I have Brandon Marshall as my bust wide receiver. Um, I think we could have had Marshall as a bust candidate last year. It turned out that him and Fitzpatrick was one of the best things that ever happened to him. A lot of it was touchdown dependent. I mean, he was outstanding last year, but I just don't believe in anybody that Geno Smith's going to be throwing the football to. So there's a caveat with my pick that if Fitzpatrick signs with the Jets, I would take Marshall off this list. But as long as Geno's the man in New York, uh, I will not have any Marshall or Decker shares. Yeah, Marshall and Decker were two of the names that I instantly thought of when, when this question was posed. Uh, they got to be. I mean, if you have Geno Smith as your quarterback, you can't you can't buy into them, especially what you were going to pay for them. Um, got to figure both of those guys are going to be off the board in the top three, four rounds, right? Yeah, I think Marshall's probably top three rounds, Decker top five. <coughs> Brandon Marshall's... Uh... He Snapchatted or something out about his diet. They asked him to lose like 10 pounds or something. He was talking about how he's never played below like 238. They want him to get down to like 225 or 230 or something like that. They want to lose like 10 pounds. And we asked why. He was so good last year. And I think the reason why is because they know they need him to get open this yeah. year because Geno Smith might be throwing the ball. So I, I agree. If Geno Smith's throwing the ball, he's, he's going to take a huge dip uh, just because of that reason. 
my bust at wide receiver. I didn't want to put this down because I might be keeping the guy, but I went with Sammy Watkins. Um, this guy is just a, the epitome of boomer bust. Um, thing that the reason I went with bust is because I'm not thrilled about the fact that most of his production comes on huge plays. Mm-hmm. Um, other than the big touchdown plays, he doesn't do a whole lot more. And I see a lot of people putting him up there in the definite wide receiver one territory. And for me, my wide receiver one, I need a little more consistency than getting weeks where he has three catches for 10 yards. Um, it's just, I mean, he's going to have those weeks where he goes six, seven catches for a buck 50, but I don't know. I, I can't hang my hat on him doing that two times a year and then the rest not getting much. Yeah, I'm so frustrated that he's in Buffalo because he's clearly one of the more talented players in the league, and I feel like if he went just about anywhere else in in the league, he would be a top-five receiver. But just a bad fit for him in Buffalo. Um, He doesn't seem to be thrilled that he's in Buffalo either, but he's a guy that if I get him as my wide receiver too, I'd be in on it, but not at the price tag that he's going to be going for on draft day. worries about Tyrod Taylor. I can't get behind Sammy Watkins. Um, he, like Shane said, he's boomer bust. He reminds me a lot of Deshaun Jackson almost. I, I know he's way more skilled than Deshaun Jackson, but his stat lines can just be so eerily similar. He, he, you, need, you almost need him to get a big one to kind of make what you need for him for a week. Um, and like Shane said, you can't hang your hat on that. I'd, I'd, I'd much rather have a guy like Brandon Cooks, I think instead of a guy like Watkins, and I feel like that's the inverse of how they'll be drafted on draft day. Yeah, I think Watkins is going to go before Cooks, Yeah, um, just based on the big plays that he made last year. And just having owning him all year last year, it, it's really frustrating because you, you just never know when those big plays are going to happen. I mean, they, they actually, last year was a great year, but <coughs> I just don't think you can count on that being being consistent yeah you never you never played him in the weeks where he went off i feel like he was, I was just gonna on your say bench. that i felt like he was on his bench every time he went yeah i think he was hamstring. on my bench like three of the times where he had big weeks but it, i mean had to do with i had some pretty good options and it just i was just looking for more consistency um i'd much rather know i'm getting 10 12 points out of someone than rolling the dice and saying hey maybe this guy will get me 20 but he could get me two Here's one for you guys. Where do you think Sammy Watkins finished in our league um, among wide receivers? Fifteen to eighteen. I was gonna say like eighteen. He was seventeen. You guys are really good. Um, eight for one sixty-eight. Six for one fifty-eight. Three for one hundred nine. He was great down the stretch. Um, and I think that's probably why a lot of people are really excited about him. A lot of his duds came in the beginning of the year. Um, one, two, five games in which he didn't record a point, though. Um, and then two games, three games under six points. So, yeah. I, I he was down a little while during the season, wasn't he? Yeah, he was banged up a little bit. Yeah, he was, there were games where he played, and he probably should have just been inactive. And those were, there were four four games in which he had goose eggs. Um, and I think three of those are games where he really probably shouldn't have even been on the field. Eddie, who's your bust wide receiver? 
Uh, first one I put down was Doug Baldwin. I just don't think he's going to live up to what he did last year. That's my main thing. I'm looking for bus. And also, I think the departure of Marshawn Lynch may keep teams from stacking the box, which I think was crucial for his uh, productivity. Uh, when you're looking at a wide receiver one that puts up those type of numbers, you, you think of guys that can beat double coverage, and he doesn't say that to me. He's not a guy that I think is going to go out and be a coverage beater and, and go out and make big plays. I think he's more of a volume guy, and I don't know if he's going to be able to get open enough to get the volume. Um, so, yeah, I have him as a bust. I can I can definitely see that. Um He's just not a likable guy either. It's hard, really hard to root for Doug Baldwin, but um, you know he's another guy. If he's there and I can get him as my wide receiver too, I'll take a shot on him. But I feel like there's going to be some people chasing um, that second half production, and they can go ahead and have him for that price. <laughs> Who's your second one, Ed? Um, no, I forget who I had down because I scrolled away from it. We'll get back to it. I, I, what's that? I said get back to it. Well, I found someone on the list, and now I can't. Oh, Golden Tate. I just don't think. I know you think there's potential there because he was good uh, when Calvin Johnson was out. But, again, he's just another guy that I, I don't think he can be the wide receiver one role for that team. Um, I think Stafford's on a quick decline here without Calvin. I think he's going to find him his way shuffled around team to team here in a couple years maybe after this year. Um, but I don't think Golden Tate could be that coverage-breaking guy that, that he's going to need to be in order to put up the numbers for a wide receiver one. Yeah, I mean, he just he's a guy that you're almost going to feel like you're going to be forced into taking a draft at one point because you're going to look up and it's going to be a bunch of shaky wide receiver twos and then a guy who's the number one on a bad team and – you're probably going to take him and hate yourself, and yeah, we'll see. He's a guy that you're right; you just can't get excited about him. Just feel like he's going to struggle to get open. Yeah, uh, I'm sliding over, getting the number one corner most days. I mean, just gonna, I feel like he's not going to be able to get open nearly as much. Yeah, he's really going to need Marvin Jones to take some heat off him, and I'm not sure Jones has that talent level either. So, all right, bust tight end. Touched on it earlier. Uh, Gary Barnage is my guy. I kind of don't like this pick as a bust just because of what I had said earlier. Somebody has to catch the ball in Cleveland. Um, and we saw this happen two years ago with Carolina when they came into the season with Greg Olson and Kelvin Benjamin being their only players that had a pulse. And Olson really broke out. Um, I could see this situation potentially happening in Cleveland with Barnage and Coleman. Um but I'm willing to bet against it at this point, and there's other tight ends that I'm more excited about than Barnage at this point of the year. Yeah, that's a good call. I kind of kind of forgot about Barnage. I mean, it's kind of a lost guy for me. Um, before you guys go, I, I might surprise you with my bust here. I'm going to go with Martellus Bennett. Um, I know I've been talking him up. I, I'm the Patriot guy on the, on the pod, but I feel like part of me feels like they maybe brought Bennett in to let Gronk loose a little bit. Yeah. Um, just having Gronkowski in, they need someone to protect the edge a little bit. I think we, they got exposed a little bit in that Denver game. Um, maybe they brought Bennett in for a little insurance policy there and, and maybe so they can get Gronk loose on the outside a little more. 
Yeah, everybody's constantly chasing the tight end, too, in the Patriots system, looking for that next Aaron Hernandez. And I think people forget that Hernandez is probably more talented than Gronk. <laughs> I mean, he was a guy that just was as big as Gronk, um, but faster, ran like a receiver. Um, you know, everybody had Scott Chandler as a guy to look at because he might have some tight end production being a the tight end too in that um, in that offense last year, and it, it just didn't work out. And I think Bennett could be more of the same. He's he's a guy that you just hate hate owning him too because you never know if he's even going to be motivated to go out there and give you a good game. He just he's a really frustrating own. So I I like that pick. Here, here's a good, he's a guy that might get drafted as a tight end one this year. Oh, he um, definitely will. Probably going to be right at the bottom tier of the tight end one. I mean, someone's going to be hoping get that production I, I'm skeptical yeah I had, I had two guys written down it was Gary Barnage and Martellus Bennett so <laughs> you guys hit on all of it I don't I don't see the production repeating for Barnage he's just he, he came he really came out of nowhere because he's been around for a while he's an older guy it's not like he was you know in his second or third year and just finally got a chance he's older and I just don't see it happening again and Martellus Bennett you guys touched on it people always chasing that second tight end that offense and um I've talked about it every podcast since they've had him I just don't see it happening all right um we didn't talk about any rookies in our breakouts or busts so let's just talk about who are some of our favorite rookies um the obvious ones are Ezekiel Elliott Corey Coleman Laquan Treadwell Sterling Shepard, Josh Doxson. Um, anybody outside those five you guys are excited about? For me, I have, I had, uh, as my top two out of the ones you named, I had Zeke. I feel like you have to be. Um, although I, I think I almost wanted to put him in my bus too because I think people are expecting so much from him that it might not happen. But uh, you have to be excited about the opportunity he has. Sterling Shepard was my second. Um, and then one you didn't mention, since that's what you asked for, I went Kenneth Dixon. I don't know how long it's going to take him to get the job in Baltimore as the running back, but this dude's a physical guy, uh, extremely talented. I think when he gets that job, I th- whether it's in training camp or down the road, I think he's going to kind of explode onto the scene. Um, I really like him. He's a name I'm hearing a lot of recently from some people, uh, Dixon for the Ravens. Uh, another guy that, that we didn't mention here, Will Fuller. Uh, I'm excited about him. This guy's a good football player. Uh, not to sound like Herm Edwards. <laughs> I thought you were John Gruden right there. This guy's a good football player. Football player. Uh, no, he, this guy, <coughs> I feel like he's going to fill a slot, the slot position, and he's going to do really well with it. Um, good speed, has a presence of uh, getting open. Um, I think he's going to fit in nicely. Yeah, he had a nice, uh, nice career at um, Notre Dame. So, you know, Fuller is a guy that goes to Houston. They desperately need someone on the other side of Hopkins. Um, they have some candidates there in Jalen Strong, um, some guys like that. But, you know, Fuller could definitely be a guy that I think is aided by just the situation he's going into. So um, probably won't be a guy that's as sought as uh, Coleman, Treadwell, Shepard, and Doxon on draft day. But... 
may be able to get some value, some sneaky value there. I think so he might be a guy that might not even get drafted. He's going to be at the bottom. Maybe he gets drafted in some leagues. Maybe he doesn't in others. But uh, I think he's going to be a, a guy that you could probably pick up on your on your free agency and then fill in um, in the bye weeks, definitely. So you like Osweiler throwing him the football? I didn't say – I said I, <laughs> Osweiler has the potential to be a bust. Yeah. Um, uh, he could be good, just like Ed said, but I think it could be really bad, too. Um, I, I've seen people talking about Elliott being a first-rounder in standard drafts. What do you guys think about that? That's what I mean. I, people are so high on him. I just feel like there's so much potential for him to not do what people are hoping to. People are talking like, you know, like ridiculous all-purpose numbers because he has the ability to catch the ball. I, I just think he's going to be good. I just don't know that he's going to be what people – expect him or hoping he, he can be this year as a rookie yeah I think it's going to be really good um, running behind the Cowboys offensive line still really good um, this just seems like a perfect fit um, obviously going to make you a little nervous I mean if you're going to pay up and go the first round price tag on him you're going to need to hit you can't be wrong but uh, this is going to be a big year for Elliott. I'm pretty. I'm pretty certain. I feel like his health, his production's kind of tied to Romo too, though. Um, see a lot of eight man boxes if Romo goes down again with an injury. We saw Darren McFadden do pretty well last year. Um, True. With the quarterbacks they were running out there, and I'd say at this point in their career, Elliott's a lot more explosive than Darren McFadden was last year. Um, I think that's a safe argument to make. <laughs> it's yeah. A pretty- Pretty safe argument, so I'm not really worried. I mean, as long as that offensive line's intact, whoever's running the ball back there, I think is going to have success. All right, well, we talked about Elliott being a potential first-rounder, so um, we want to talk now about what is the first round for you guys in a 12-team draft um, look like right here on June 23rd? Um, I think that it's safe to start with this debate. Wide receiver is really deep in the top five or six. A lot of names to really like out there. You know, it's always been a fantasy staple that try and get the top running backs early in the draft, but have you guys shifted to the point where you think a wide receiver is worthy of being the number one overall pick in the draft? Well, I'm going to do you one better because I don't have a anyone other than a wide receiver in my top three. So, yes, uh, I'm buying in. Um, I'm out on the get a top running back with the top with the first overall pick um, I think it's a wide receiver game now yeah I think I'm trying to run through it in my head I just really think there's a potential of only one running back possibly being taken in the first six five six seven picks I think there's only one running back there outside of Bell I think it's all receivers well I've seen some Bell and some Gurley in the top five um, but yeah, for the most part, I'm seeing that too. So uh, let's talk about it here. First overall, I'm assuming that we all have Antonio Brown first overall then. Yeah, he's the best player in football. I think from then on, it'll get interesting here talking about it. So who do you guys have it too? Uh, I have Odell Beckham Jr. Junior at second. I don't. I don't feel like there's a whole lot separating 
the other receivers with I feel like it's either Beckham, Jones. It's going to come down to your preference. Um, I, I think I like Beckham this year. I was kind of down and out on him last year, but I think now that they've got Shepard there, I think it's going to help him. I'd have Beckham too as well. And then Jones would be third for me. Me too. Yes. And then Le'Veon Bell would be my fourth overall pick. I have Bell in the fourth slot as well. I'm with you. All right, five spot. Um, I think I would go with Todd Gurley in the five spot. I'm still riding with Adrian Peterson. I like AP. I think it has to be Gurley. Okay. Uh, the sixth spot for me, um, it's a coin flip between Hopkins and Gronk. Um, and I'm going to go with Gronk just because of the touchdown production that you're almost guaranteed from him. I think I'm going to be a little different than you guys here. Uh, I'm still high on Jamal Charles. Hmm. I like Charles. Interesting. I like Charles a lot too, but I don't know if he doesn't come back to the pack. I don't know if there's enough separating him. Whereas, like Kaz said, if you go Gronk there, I feel like you're winning that matchup. A lot of weeks. I don't know if you do that with Charles. I still like him, um, so I, I have to go with Cos and say I'm on Gronk too. All right, then Hopkins would be seven for me. I have Hopkins in the seven spot as well. Yes. All right, now I think it gets interesting even more so than that middle spot. I'd have Peterson in the eight hole, so still think he's right behind those other guys, um, but he he's getting older, so I'm gonna have Gurley ahead of him. I have Gurley here. Uh, it's still the quarterback situation for me. Um, I know we're not that high on, on Teddy Bridgewater, but I think he's better than, than what the Rams are going to be running out. Um, Teddy two gloves. Just a little more seasons. I, I'll take, uh, I, think the, I think the whole team is just a little better. Um, so I'll take, I'll take Gurley at eight. Uh, Jamal Charles for me. All right. Interesting. Um, Nine for me is really hard. Bunch of guys here. Um, I would consider Elliott here, David Johnson here, Des Bryant, um, Lamar Miller, and I think I would probably or Th- I, Thomas Rawls. Um, I think I would probably go Elliott here at the nine spot. So that answers your question. You do believe he's a first rounder? I do. I I am I'm big on Ezekiel Elliott right now. Um, I will go David Johnson here in the nine hole. This guy's explosive. I'd go Peterson. All right, I'd have Dez then in the ten spot. I'll go with Gronk. I would have Dez as well. All right, I would have uh, Lamar Miller in the 11 spot. I'll go Dez here at 11. Hmm. I, I want to put David Johnson in the first round so bad, but I just don't know. It's going to repeat. I feel like that offense is going to be down. Um, and I want to go Zeke Elliott too, but I just said I don't know if he's going to do what he's supposed to do or what he's projected to do. Um, 
Let me ask you this question. Is it crazy to think that Jordan Reed could go late first, early second? Yes. You think so? I do. Well, if you're going based on what you think, I mean, you could say that. I don't think he's. it's going to happen. And there's a name that we haven't said that I'm pretty sure is going to go in the first round. Uh, none of us have said Devontae Freeman. But I think he's going to go in the first round. Yeah. Yeah, but none of us would take him in the first round. No. <laughs> um, no, the thing about Reed, you know, as great as he is, you got to worry if he's going to stay healthy. And that's been a huge issue in his career. And you can't, yeah. you can't do that in the first round. Johnson. All right, I'd have um, Thomas Rawls as my twelfth in the first round. I'm gonna round out my first round with Ezekiel. <coughs> I think he is a first rounder as well. It's tough to say that he's not. I'm struggling to get him out of the first round. Really struggling because the next wide receiver you take off the board is probably Allen Robinson. Yeah, and I don't think there's a ton to get excited about there. No, as a first so I think if you're left between taking Allen Robinson and, and, I mean, the next running back has to be Ezekiel Elliott. Plus, so, if, you're, if you're picking here in the 12 spot and you get Elliott and Robinson. You're completely okay with it. Yeah, yeah I think you're probably happy so with yeah, that. So, yeah, I'd put Zeke there. Yeah, so my just misses in the first round would be David Johnson, who I would have as the next, as 13. Um, Devontae Freeman, like you said, he's probably a first-round caliber player, but just not a guy I'm excited about. Um, Allen Robinson, A.J. Green, Jordy Nelson, all guys that I think could vault themselves up into the first round. Yeah, just looking at the way we put this together, uh, would you would you guys say that you would be more excited about picking in the top half of the first draft or somewhere near the end? Um, I think if you can get Brown, Beckham, or Jones... I think you're in a really good spot. So I think you want to be in that top three. I think the ideal spot right here is to pick third. That's, that's exactly what I was going to say. I think I'd want to pick number three, have it taken for me. I get Beckham or Jones. Um, and I think I can still find some value that's late first, early second round value at the end of the second round. always great to be in the top three because you know you're getting one of the guys that is projected to be one of the top guys but I kind of always like being towards the back end because I feel like you can get two solid number ones I would have no problem coming away with one of the running backs we listed in there um, it's, you just gotta hope you get the right one whether you're taking Peterson or Charles or some of the other names we threw out there and then coming back and getting a solid number one receiver as well, whether it's, I know we, none of us are that big of fans of A.J. Green, uh, Allen Robinson. I think if you get those two number ones, you're okay there as well. Um, but obviously you'd rather be in the top three and get one of those workhorse guys that you know you can rely on every week, but I feel like covering up two number ones there is okay as well. Yeah, it's it's tough. It's so weird to think, of wide receivers being the clear top three picks. Um, and I don't know if that makes a case that there are, you know, three in the back end or in the top that it makes the case for 
wanting to be in the back end so you can get one of those top running backs and then a second tier receiver. Um, I don't know. It's tough. Tough call. Another interesting takeaway from from our our picks here. I think it might be the first year none of us have a quarterback in the in the first round. Um, I think we're all we're all on the same page there. I mean, not that the quarterback position is is becoming unimportant, but I think we're we're seeing the slide that so many guys are capable of of putting up decent fantasy numbers, um, just on the sheer volume of passing. Uh, I mean, you you no longer want to reach and go. I mean, Aaron Rodgers has pretty much been a staple in the first round um, yeah. in the past couple of years. None of us even have him here. When when do the quarterbacks start coming off the board? I think late round two is when they start coming off in most drafts. For me, I probably won't take one till the sixth round. Um, I want to make sure I get my run, two running backs, two receivers, and then either if I get a Gronk or a Reed or an Olsen or my flex. Um, you just want to clear up those skill positions because you're going to be able to get two startable quarterbacks. There's probably 18 to 20 guys that you'd be okay with starting most weeks at the quarterback position. Jones or Beckham 2-3 guys that are probably going to be available in in that late area that maybe you get I mean you're looking at a Brandon Marshall um, an Alshon Jeffrey maybe um, Mike Evans Brandon Cook something like that you're going to be okay with that I think I would be yeah yeah I would be but that makes it even clearer that I don't think I'd be thrilled about either of those guys being my wide receiver one I don't know. I think that makes it clear that you have to go receiver at the top three with the, one of those three guys. Yeah, I think you're going receiver, receiver there, and then when it comes back to you, who knows who's still there at running back. Is Ingram still there? Probably not. I mean, it drops off pretty quickly. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe wide receiver tight end if one of those top tight ends is still there. I don't even know what running backs you'd be looking at coming back to you. I, that's I think I think that's why I had the back end of my first round pretty running back heavy, just because I feel like if you miss out on those top three receivers, you got to go out and get one of the top six running backs, in my opinion. Yes, absolutely. All right, and that about um, wraps up our f- first, I guess, real off season uh, football podcast talking about rankings and stuff. Next time we get together. We'll be talking quarterbacks, uh, letting you guys know who to go get in that you know, round five, round six. Who are the guys that you can wait on and still be excited about what you have at the quarterback position. So for Shane Stein and Eddie Mitchum, I'm Matt Kozlowski from Red Triangle Sports. Make sure you find us on Twitter at Red Triangle 23 Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud and leave us a five-star rating. Uh, please, we'd appreciate it. Thanks, and we'll talk to you guys uh, next week.